0: From Bee Media Production, this is Business Essentials, practical advice and ideas to grow your business.
1: Welcome to this episode of Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. So we think we know our customers, but do we? Consumer behavior expert Michael Solomon from the US is a highly acclaimed author and international speaker about consumers and the big influences that lead to their buying decisions. His latest book, Marketers, Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer, forces us to revise all our preconceived notions about our customers. While we've built neat little boxes around them, depending on categories like age, gender, race or money, the customer has meanwhile moved on, he tells us. And now we need to radically rethink who we're marketing to and how to do it. So, what are we seeing?
2: One of the things we're seeing that's making it much harder to... Put consumers into neat little categories is a phenomenon we call lifestyle fragmentation. And basically, that means that we're no longer nearly as homogeneous as we used to be. You know, the average consumer, whether he or she is living in Melbourne or New York City or wherever they're living, uh, they're exposed to so many different lifestyle possibilities. And that wasn't the case, certainly 20 years ago. They're exposed to so many different media options. Obviously, they're able to communicate with one another globally, just as you and I are doing right now. So, really, everyone is much more of an active, let's say, lifestyle artist. You know, they're picking and choosing from the multitude of options that are available.
0: So you say in your new book that we need to tear down the walls that we've uh, traditionally created around the consumers we target. But what kind of walls are you talking about?
2: Well, we love to put people into categories and marketers are trained to put people into categories. I like to say there's there's two kinds of people in this world, people who believe there's two kinds of people and people who don't. <laughs> uh, you know, We're trained to put people into, for example, demographic categories. So we, we love to segment in terms of age groups and gender and social class and place of residence and uh, racial and ethnic identity. And on and on. Uh, so those are some examples of the walls that I that I talk about in the book. Um, you know, there are many others as well, but they all have to do with this basic assumption that we can take this large group of people and pretty much uh, generalize about them and assume that they're going to respond the same way to messages that we send to them, even even though we discriminate in terms of let's say uh, gender or social class. Uh, Today, that's just not going to happen. And consumers increasingly are becoming prosumers. In other words, they're becoming much more proactive in terms of picking and choosing the kinds of brands, that uh, the information that they want to receive about brands, the media they're going to receive, uh, when they're going to watch television shows rather than being told when a show will be on and and all of that. Uh, sometimes that's referred to as the IKEA effect, uh, meaning that just like the furniture chain that asks people to assemble their own furniture, I usually have a few pieces left over, it's kind of worrying, but uh, <laughs> it, what it means is that uh, we tend to value things more when we have a hand in creating them.
0: Right. Well, let's take some examples. Um, you talk in your book about targeting uh, consumers around age, for example. So what are the big misconceptions around marketing to different age groups these days?
2: Well, the biggest misconception is that everyone who happens to share a chronological age is quite similar to one another. And yet, when we look around at our own friends, you know, many of our, for most of us, many of our friends are roughly the same age. Uh, Certainly, we see that there are huge differences. So Really, age is all about how you feel, not about how old you are. Um, and a great example of that is the mature segment. You know, we, our culture, both in Australia and here where I live in the U.S., you know, we have obviously a fascination with youth. And we have a youth-oriented culture, for better or worse. Marketers are fascinated by youth. And so when you look around you, you see that, that most messages are targeted to people who are quite young. And a lot of that is wishful thinking. In other words, people don't want to admit that, you know, once you, you hit the age of 30, you're still going to be buying a lot of stuff. So when you look at the older segments, you know, people in, in their 60s and 70s, and of course we know, you know, 80 is the new 60, 60 is the new 40, we see that uh, these are actually extremely attractive segments economically. And yet, relatively speaking, marketers pretty much ignore them. I mean, there are some exceptions, but Relative to the, for example, the advertising dollars that get directed at really young messages. These are neglected segments. And so marketers are missing a huge opportunity when they just think in terms of of young consumers. And again, these older consumers are reinventing the idea of what it means to be old. So I'm sure where you are, there's a lot of people in their 60s and 70s who are going out surfing all the time and, uh, you know, haven't gotten the memo that they're not 20 anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, you discussed many walls that we need to break down to be able to grab those opportunities that are out there and you would just, you know, keep missing them. I don't think we'll have time to go through them all today, Michael. But what do you think are the biggest walls that uh, business owners and marketers need to think about?
2: Well, there are several really big walls. Uh, you know, One of them is uh, the distinction between the producer of an object or a product or service and the consumer of that product or service. In so many ways, whether it's the sharing economy, whether it's the crowdsourcing of new product ideas, the notion that there is a producer and then a consumer that's totally different and really has no interaction with that producer is totally obsolete, and yet many companies still like to believe that they have total autonomy and control over the things that they sell to the rest of us. So that's certainly one big wall, and, and I talk about a number of them in the book, and we can certainly pick up on one or more of those, such as the obsolete distinction between offline versus online, the obsolete distinction between work versus play, the distinction between me versus we – in terms of how we make decisions about what to buy.
0: Okay, well, me versus we. What's your key message there, and why should marketers take note?
2: This is a really important revolution in the way that consumers make decisions, and most marketers haven't quite figured it out yet. And what I'm referring to by this distinction of me versus we is that when we look at traditional conceptions about how consumers decide what to buy, for the most part, the assumption is that the consumer is a solo decision maker. When we look today at how especially younger people are making these decisions, we see that the picture has totally changed. So to, to give you an example, there's this little company you might have heard of called Google. And Google likes to talk about what they refer to as the ZMOT and that's an acronym that describes what they call the zero moment of truth. And Google spends a lot of time thinking about where that zero moment of truth is, because obviously a lot of their income is derived from helping people to go online, learn about what their options are, et cetera. and And what Google tells us, and really common observation tells us, and certainly if you talk to teenagers, they'll tell you, uh, that zero moment of truth is really shifting. so, What we're seeing is that consumers are consulting with others to a much greater extent before they buy. And it's almost like they're buying by committee. So we're seeing that, for example, uh, the amount that people search for options before they ever walk into a store is multiplying dramatically. And there's a reason that after Google, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. What this means is that it's becoming increasingly common and expected for someone, you know, if they're going to make a purchase, to go onto YouTube and literally to search for videos of other consumers who are trying to solve the same problem. And that problem might be what do I wear on a date or it might be what kind of home theater system do I buy or, you know, you name it. But they're doing a tremendous amount of research, even for the most mundane things, as you know, like, where do we go for dinner on Saturday night? You know, that used to be a fairly spontaneous decision. Now we have to read a 1000 restaurant reviews and maybe, you know, post on Facebook or something asking for advice about where to go. So, What I talk about in the book is I refer to this as the hive mind, like a beehive, where for retailers who are selling, whether it's online or in traditional bricks and mortar, the implication is that they need to get out there much earlier in the process. They need to get out early and often because they have the opportunity to influence people's decisions, but they have to recognize that they can't just sit on their laurels and wait for someone to walk in the store and try to persuade them then because by then the damage has been done.
1: Michael Solomon. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast. So you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? And if you found this valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. For further information about us, or if you'd like to listen to more interviews like this one, visit businessessentials.com.au. We hope you've enjoyed Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening.
0: This Business Essentials podcast has been produced by B Media Production, building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication.